There was a, a young preacher who had been invited to go out to a, a small rural church. He was a city boy. And they were going to spend the weekend talking and meeting. He was going to preach for them. Then they were going to decide if they wanted him to be the pastor. And he was going to decide if he wanted them to be his church. So that Saturday morning, he went to a prayer breakfast. It was a men's prayer breakfast. And again, he's city in their country. And an old farmer got up and was asked to bless the meal as the service got started. And he began the, the prayer and he said, God, you know how I hate lard. Preacher opened kind of one eye, and he goes, that's kind of a weird way to start a prayer. And he said, God, you know how I hate raw flour. Preacher opened both eyes at this time and said, i got to get out of here. These people are absolutely, they're hating stuff in their prayers. God, and you know how I hate buttermilk. And then he said, but God, we thank you when you mix them together. They make biscuits. And Lord, we thank you for the biscuit Lust, go ahead and lust that right now. I'll try to have you out here by two and you can be eating one of those somewhere. We're going to talk this morning about some ingredients, and I don't like buttermilk, that's for sure, but we're going to talk about three ingredients today that really do stand alone on their own. They're great on their own, but when you mix them together, they really create something wonderful. We're going to talk about the ingredients of greatness. We're in Joshua chapter 14. If you have a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, the scriptures will be on the screen. Joshua chapter 14. We've got two more weeks in our series out of Joshua, Finding Your Best Life, uh, after this one today. But let's look, let's begin with this. What is the first ingredient for, for greatness? And it's the word faithfulness. It's faithfulness. It's the quality of being faithful. Here's what's going on in this story in Joshua 14. The Jewish people have really in in a large part subdued a lot of the promised land. So now God, through Joshua, they're dividing the land up amongst the 12 tribes. And as they're doing that, Caleb, who is a longtime hero and friend of Joshua, comes up. We pick the story up in verse 6. A delegation from the tribe of Judah, led by Caleb, son of Jumpha, the Kenzanite, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea. Now, this is a little thing, but it's interesting. In verse 6, it refers to Caleb as a Kenzanite. That means nothing to you or me. But what it means is his bloodline was traced through Esau, not Jacob. By blood, he was not a Jewish person. But yet, at some point, he and his family had converted to Judaism and become followers of God, and they had been taken into the tribe of Judah. So one of the things I want to tell you right off the bat, greatness is not about your bloodline. It's not about who your mom or your daddy are or who there aren't. If you're blessed with good parents, that's wonderful. If you're blessed with scoundrels, that doesn't matter either. Greatness is a lot deeper than, than blood type. In verse 7, the story continues, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report. Verse 8, but my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. And let's look in verse 9. So that day, Moses solemnly promised me the land of Canaan on which you we're just walking. It's going to be the, your land someday. I'm going to grant it to you and your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly follow the Lord my God. Now, we're going to, we're going to look more at this story as we go on. 
But kind of a synopsis, 45 years ago, God had sent out 12 spies. Two of them were Joshua and Caleb. And the spies came back, and they all said the same thing. They said the cities are big, they're walled, the people are big, they're mean, they're tough warriors. But 10 of the spies said, God's telling us to do it, but we cannot do it. We cannot do it. God's in it, but we can't do it. And Joshua and Caleb were the only two that stood up and said, we can do it. And Caleb says this, and it said about him three times in verses 6 through 15, that he followed God with all his heart, wholeheartedly. That phrase wholeheartedly means un, to, to, to unswervingly. It means to, to obey without hesitation. It means to, to follow completely. It was a nautical or a navy term that talked about a ship when a ship left a destination and the captain said, we are going to get to point B, nothing besides God is going to stop us. Pirates aren't going to. Bad weather's not going to. We're going from here to there, and we are going to get there. That's what Joshua said, and Caleb said, and the Bible says about Caleb. He was a guy that said, I'm going to follow God with all my heart. I'm not playing games. I, I'm not going to do it when it's popular. I'm, I'm not going to do it when it's not popular. I'm going to follow God my whole life, the rest of my life. Listen. He followed God when it was two against ten. He followed God. He followed God when the thousands of people did not want to follow God. He followed God when they had to wander around the desert for 40 years because of other people's sins and mistakes. He kept following God. He's 85 now. He has not realized the blessings of the promised land yet. But you know what it says about him? He was wholeheartedly committed to God. Listen, you want, you want greatness in your life? It's not about money. It's not about stuff. It's about being a person who is wholeheartedly committed to God and the right things. If you don't know Christ, becoming a Christian is wholeheartedly giving your life to Jesus. Many here this morning, you're Christians, but at some point you have loosened that grip with God. He doesn't have you like he once did. God needs to have you with all, all your heart. We live in a day and age, we want the quick fix. And I understand that. I do too. I mean, don't you all wish that there was a pill that you'd lose 20 pounds by tomorrow? Wouldn't that be awesome? You get on the scales today and tomorrow it's 20 pounds off. Hair growth pill, you take a pill and the next day, you come back and you look like you did, like these guys down here. Wouldn't that be awesome, guys? Older guys? Yes, it would. But, but, but that's fantasy, a lot of that is. And they talk about, well, you can take a smart pill and maybe you'll be the smartest person in the world. I hope they develop a smart pill. My guess is that they're going to take your money on some of that. They've got these programs. They say, you play these little games. It will improve your mind dramatically. They're in lawsuits right now because it's not proven to be true. Listen to these t tapes subliminally and you won't have to go to Spanish class. You'll just automatically know Spanish within a week. You know what? That's just a lot of this baloney. You're not going to be successful in life without a real commitment to the right things. It starts with your commitment to God. It, it, a commitment to God leads to being faithful to your husband, to your wife, to your kids, to your family, to your church, to your community. There is zero greatness apart from faithfulness. But the cool thing is, regardless of your IQ, your talent level, your skill level, who mom and daddy uh, are or were, if you will say, God, with your help, I'm going to choose to be a faithful man, a faithful woman. The earlier you start this, the better off it will be for you too, by the way. I'm going to be faithful in my marriage. I'm going to be faithful to my Christ. I'm going to be faithful 
in every area of my life. See, a lot of us go, man, I want to be the starter. I want, a, I, want a, I want a promotion. I want more money. I want this or that. And, and we're, we're not earning it. We're not being faithful and true where we are. You want to be lifted up? Be faithful where you are. Well, I want people to trust me. Be trustworthy where you are. This is not rocket science. It's just difficult to do. But one thing about Caleb that made him so great, he wasn't perfect but he walked faithfully with God, faithfully with his family, faithful for his country, faithful for the cause of God. And that's something you can do too. And by the way, faithfulness is a key ingredient to greatness. Here's the second ingredient, and that's purpose. That's purpose. And I think these go together, especially as we look at Caleb and you and me. Do you think, if you were guessing, do you think a lot of people live life without much purpose? Yes, they do. Absolutely, they do. I want to read to you a story. It's a true story of a guy in California named Larry Walters. You may have heard this before. If you have, it's still funny. If you haven't, it's a great story. Larry was bored. Larry didn't really have a purpose in life. So Larry goes out to the Army-Navy surplus store in his area, and he buys 75 used weather balloons. He inflates them, attaches them to a lawn chair, that he had secured at the back of his pickup truck. And with several friends watching, he climbed into the chair, settled in, and had a friend untie the rope. He was hoping, a friend said later, to observe the neighborhood from a, you know, a different view, a different level. Gain new perspective on life. Find some purpose on life. He took nothing with him but a peanut butter sandwich, a loaded BB gun, and a six-pack of beer. Are you already figuring this isn't going to go well? Two and a half hours later, the Los Angeles International Airport reported a UFO in the skies over LAX. It was at nearly 16,000 feet. Lawn chair Larry, the the reclining astronaut, was now three miles into the sky and 100 miles from his original launch site. The pilot of the 737 who spotted Larry... Radioed the tower and said, well, I see what looks like a perfectly still man sitting in, and he hesitated, a lawn chair. And I think he's holding a rifle. In a rescue stunt that would have made Chuck Norris proud, SWAT teams were able to lasso Larry and bring him, who was passed out, by the way, probably from the beer and the altitude, uh, carried him safely to the ground. Now, if you're curious what his intentions were, He was going to lazily saunter up to the right altitude, use his BB gun to pop the balloons to keep him there. However, when he untied himself to pop the balloons, one of his friends said he shot up in the air like he'd been shot out of a cannon. Wouldn't you love to have seen this? He panicked, and the only thing Larry knew how to do in a stressful situation at 2,000 feet was break open his six-pack and begin to drink. And then he passed out. (laughs) On the ground, after being revived back to consciousness, Larry was promptly issued a $4,000 ticket by local officials for the obstruction of air traffic. I guess they had mercy on him because he has a small brain, and they reduced it to $1,500. A local journalist got to interview Larry afterwards, and he asked him three questions. Larry, were you scared? Larry said yes. Actually, he said more, but being a sermon, I can't tell you everything he said. Larry, would you do it again? Larry said no. The, the journalist said, at least we know he's a quick learner. And the last thing, Larry, would you, why did you do it? He said, I was just tired and bored of just sitting around. Don't have a purpose. I read a blog this week 
that, where they had interviewed a lot of uh, young adults, 18 to 24, and they had asked them, do you feel like your life, you have a purpose? And like Lawn Chair Larry, just smarter than him, they said no. And, and I would tell young people, I wouldn't panic because I don't think that stops at 24. I think that's at 44 and 54 and 64 and 84. People still wondering, why has God left me here? What, what is my purpose? Did you know there's actually an app that that Google will do for you to make you feel and look important, they will fill your calendar up on a Google calendar where you can show people how busy you are. They use events in the surrounding areas that you've got this at two, this at four, this at six. Is that not hilarious? But if, folks, being busy doesn't mean you have purpose. In verses 9 through 12, we see Caleb, a faithful guy who had purpose in life. Man, this guy, this guy knew what God left him here for. So that day Moses swore to me, promised me, the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly follow the Lord my God. Now as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and as well has promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise, even when Israel wandered in the desert, today I am 85 years old. I'm as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on the journey. And I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled cities. But the Lord's, if this is his will, I'll drive them out, I'll fight them, and I will whip him. Listen, at 40 years old, he knew his purpose. His purpose was to love God, to live for God, to follow God, to serve God, to serve his country with all of his heart. At 85, he had not wavered, although there had been a lot of detours and a lot of stop signs. He still said, God put me here and has left me here for a reason. Do you know your purpose? Some people think they're too old. I mean, Caleb's 85. It would have been easy for him to say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm older. I don't want to push it. I'm, I'm just going to kick back and take it easy. I heard of a man who was getting ready to retire. He was right at 65. And his wife asked him, so what are you going to do when you retire? He goes, well, I'm going to sleep as late as I want to, get up and watch TV all day, and I'll go to bed when I want to. And she said, you will be dead in a year if you do that. And if you're not dead in a year, I will have killed you within a year if you do that. Folks, God didn't leave you here to, to veg out. You're not too old. Some of you say, well, I'm too young. When I get older, I'll figure out what God has for me. It, finding out what God has for you can be an unfolding uh, process for sure. But the quicker you find out why God has put you here on this earth, the greater your life can be. Some of you may say, well, I'm too bad. I've made too many mistakes. I've made too many errors. No, you have not. The Bible is full of people who did a lot of rotten things who God used in tremendous ways. Let me tell you what you need to do. If you're not a Christian this morning, you need to give your life to Christ. That's part of his purpose. And then as a Christian, you need to live for God with all your heart. Start serving him in the church. Serve him in the community. Serve him at the school where you go or where your kids are. Try to make the city better. Move to Washington. Try to make the country better. Good luck with that. But we will pray for you and cheer you on. But God's left you here for a purpose. Great people don't just exist. They live with intention. They live with purpose to make things better. Les Paul was a great musician. He was also the guy that really designed the solid body electric guitar. 
When he was 93 years old, he died a few months after this. He was 93 years old. One of his fans tells about going into a club and Les Paul, 93, geezer, is cranking it up on the electric guitar. Isn't that awesome? And someone asked him about that and he goes, hey, I'm not letting someone put me out to pasture. I know what I'm here on earth to do and I'm going to do it. You should too. Listen, God left you here. God created you for a reason and he wants you to be making a difference with your life. Great people don't just take up oxygen. Great people do life. The second word is purpose. Here's the third word, and that's courage. Caleb and Joshua go back a long way. Let me tell you, let me tell you one quality they have was courage. They go out, and they see the same thing that the bad spies had seen, the other ten. Giants, walled cities, tough opportunities. They say, but if God's in it, we can do this. The other ten say, no, we can't. It's two against ten. But you know what? Caleb and Joshua held their ground. Then they take it to the people. And the thousands and thousands and thousands of people side with the ten bad spies. So now you have basically Moses and Joshua and Caleb and a few people who are saying, wait a second, we can do this. And you've got thousands of people saying, no, no, no. That's why the majority is not always right. God's always right. But Caleb never wavered. He knew his purpose. He was faithful to God to his purpose. And it takes courage to live this out. And he did. Look in verse 12. He's 85. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as we scouted this out, we found the descendants of Anak. These were giants living there in great walled cities. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. Don't you love this? This guy's 85. He doesn't say, hey, find me a good assisted living place to live in in a nice, comfortable rocker in a good remote. Here's exactly, I'm going to paraphrase what he's saying. The hill country that's going to be hard to get to before helicopters and, and uh, four-wheelers. There's walled cities full of bad people. Apparently, some of them are descendants of giants or experienced warriors. Caleb says, give that to me. That's the challenge I want. Man, you're talking about courage and strength and a guy that, that wasn't willing to back down from anything. In verse 15, it says, previously Hebron had been called Kirith Arba, but it had been named after Arba, the great hero, the descendant of Anak. Again, these giant people. Basically what Caleb was saying, if you want to put it in our lingo, Caleb was saying, they're going to pitch their best pitcher, I want to bat. They got the best player in basketball, I want to guard him. If you're into MMA, boxing, whatever, someone says, that's the baddest guy they have over there. And Caleb walks up and says, bring him on to daddy. <laughs> How's your courage today? You, you know, you and I, we're not going to accomplish anything if we don't have courage. Courage is not criticism. Oh, we can sit back and we can talk about people and we can figure out everything they've done wrong. That's what Caleb could have done. I'm 85. I will sit back and I will criticize all the young and new people. <laughs> nope. He said, find me a fight and put me in the middle of it. H how do you think that you will accomplish anything if you don't have courage? Some of you, God is calling you to go to the other side of the world to serve him. If you're not careful, 
a lack of courage is going to cause you to miss God's purpose for your life. Some of you, God's calling to make some great sacrifices with your time or your money, and you're holding back. Maybe for multiple reasons. One of them is a lack of courage. Some of you need to give your life to Jesus this morning, not tomorrow, not next week, this morning. But one of the things that's holding you back is it's a lack of courage. Some of us need to repent of some things, but what's holding us back is we just don't have the guts to do it. You're in a marriage and it's tough and you need to stay in there. It's going to take courage. You're dating somebody and you need to break up with them. Oh, it's going to be tough. And it is tough because you're going to be alone. And you're going to be sad. But you're never going to get to the right spot if you don't have courage. NPR, I I guess National Public Radio, it was on a show. I read the article. And they talked about what happens when we live with fear. When we live in fear, controlled by fear instead of courage, our circles of life get smaller and smaller. We go less places. We do less places. We don't venture out. We don't ask the person out. We don't change jobs. We don't change careers. We don't stay where we need to stay. And our life eventually just becomes a little small hole that we've dug for ourselves. Folks, always remember this. This is the greatest definition ever of courage. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is being afraid and going ahead anyway. Two people aren't afraid, the liar and the lunatic. Everybody has fear. Courage is not a lack of fear. Courage is saying, I am shaking in my boots, but I'm going to do it anyway. You want greatness. You need greatness. The world needs greatness from you. It's not going to happen without courage. You see, when you, when you have faithfulness and purpose and you throw courage in there, that, that is the fuel to make things happen. And the last thing is it's, it's greatness. Greatness comes when we put these things together. There's no doubt about it. In verse 9, so the day Moses swallow, uh, solemnly uh, promised me the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land. That of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly follow the the Lord. Verse 13 and 14, Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephna, and he gave him Hebron to him as a portion of the land. Hebron still belonged to the descendants of Caleb, the son of Jephna, the Kenzanite, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. He was given these things. Listen, greatness, again, it's not about possessions. it's It's not about money. Greatness is about pleasing God. It's about that inner peace and satisfaction that you get when you've done your very best. But, but it doesn't stop there. In, in chapter 15, I'm just going to paraphrase this, but 13 through 19, ch- chapter 15, verse 13 through 19, basically what happens is it's the story of Caleb taking the land. So Caleb goes and he starts taking the land from these bad guys. And he has tremendous success. God's blessing him. He's purpose. He's faithful. He's got courage. But then he throws down a challenge to someone. Hey, if someone will go and do this, they can have my daughter in marriage. This guy steps up and he does it. Then a little bit later in the story, his daughter gets up the courage to ask daddy for a special part of land that has springs on it. Here's what you see from this story, that when you have courage and when you have faithfulness and when you have purpose, it inspires other people. It blesses other people. Teach your kid how to throw a ball. Teach your kid how to shoot a basketball. Teach them how to read and write. But man, by all means, pour God all over them. That's the only thing that's eternal. The only thing that's eternal. 
and, and, and courage and faithfulness, these things, listen, when you have it, it comes off of you and influences the people around you. You make other people bold. You make them faithful. You help them to be courageous and find purpose. You see, these things do produce greatness in one's life. They did for Caleb, they will for you. How many of you have seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge? Have any of y'all seen that movie? I told him in the first service, we're terrible at raising our hands. We look like penguins. We raise our hands like this. I want to give you a disclaimer. I'm not recommending you see the movie. It is, uh, it's a war movie. It's a, a man movie, maybe. Is that the best way of putting it? I don't remember the language, but it gets pretty, pretty violent. You could read about it. It's a story of a, a private named Desmond Doss, World War II. True story. That's him receiving the Medal of Honor. Desmond Doss was a devout Christian and a pacifist. He wouldn't even touch a gun. But he believed in the purpose at World War II for us to defeat the bad guys for the cause of America. He joins the army. He, he fails to tell them that he is a pacifist. So he gets in boot camp, and they abuse him. And I think this movie was pretty on target. They call him a coward. They beat him up. They try to kick him out of the army. But he's able to stay in, and he becomes a medic. Brutal, coward, you know, everything. By the way, he was a devout Christian. He believed in honor the Sabbath. He really was a weird guy, wasn't he? little Sabbath humor there that you didn't get or you didn't appreciate. Then the movie picks up with there in Okinawa. We had a guy in the second service, the first service, tell me today he had a brother killed at Okinawa. It's brutal. They get in a terrible fight with the Japanese at a place called Hacksaw Ridge. And here he's there as a medic without a gun, probably without a knife, and people are dying all over the place. The American troops have to pull out. Doss stays. And over a course of 12 hours... With enemy everywhere, he saves 75 people's lives. 75 people's lives. After all that was over, one of his officers who called him a coward said he was the bravest man he'd ever known. You saw that picture. He was receiving the highest military honor that a soldier can receive, the Medal of Honor. A pacifist getting the Medal of Honor for his heroics in battle. Where does greatness come from? Came from three places. His faithfulness to God, to his country, to his cause, his purpose. Man, he knew why he was there. Serve God and save lives. And because he had courage. If you will mix those into your life and ask God to mix those into your life, that kind of greatness is there for you and me too. If we'll do it. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, Christians, we need to ask God to to reignite these things in our lives. And I pray you will do that. If you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian and you're ready today to give your life to Christ, pray with me where you are. Pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. 
And Jesus, I believe you're God's son and that you died for me and arose for me. Jesus, come into my heart and I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a second. Maybe after church you'd like to catch me or one of our ministers. That'd be great. Maybe today when we stand, God's speaking to your heart. You just ask Christ into your life or you're ready to do that. It takes courage, but will you come this morning and let us help you with that? You do that today. Maybe you're here and you'd like to join our church. You can do that after church or you can come when we stand. You need a church. And if God's leading you here, we need you here. Join us today. You can do that when we stand in a moment. You can come and one of our ministers will help you. As a Christian, maybe you're doing great with this. If you are, keep it up. Stay on course. It's easy to get off path. Maybe you need where you're standing at the altar. Say, God, please reinvigorate me with faithfulness and purpose and courage. Because that's the person God can use in tremendous ways. Let's stand as God leads.